Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effect on the markets. The content that will be discussed is intended for information and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or investment recommendation. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you are prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now on to the podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of the Digest and Invest podcast. As usual, I'm joined by Josh Gilbert, our market analyst based out in Sydney, Australia. How are you? That was terrible. So. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, we had our, our first uh, meetup uh, here in, in Sydney, Australia uh, last night. So it was great to great to get back out, see people again. I know you've been back out there again, haven't you, as well? So it's been good. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, we've been going around the the universities. Uh, we've got a couple of football clubs coming up. We've got Crystal Palace uh, next month, so hopefully I'll get to see big man Patrick Vieira, who's just been put into the the Premier League Hall of Fame today. Actually, I think for for us, yeah. so yeah. Um, but yeah, the event all last night, all good. Yeah, absolutely. It's like you say, um, apart from my microphone cutting out, actually. Ah. Um, yeah. I had to shout for for five or ten minutes, but no, it was um yeah like you say it was it was good, uh, talking markets, few popular investors there, give everyone a catch up. Um, yeah, it's it's great to have those events. So yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, on the um on the podcast today, we can talk about uh, what sort of led to the the, the best running markets we've had since twenty twenty, which is I, I know it's, it sounds crazy saying that it's two years ago, but uh, yeah, great run for markets, which sort of led to where we are now. Uh, we can talk about why Ethereum 2.0 is sort of back in the scene, back in the spotlight. Uh, and then we could probably just wrap up with a little bit of a, a lesson for our newer investors that are joining us. We've got the uh, introduction to investing and trading course happening right now in the Toro Academy. Um, so this will be a good one for those that are listening, that are joining from there. Uh, so we can talk a little bit about dollar cost averaging. Yeah, sounds good. How it can all change in a couple of weeks, and we can uh, have the best run in markets since twenty twenty. But um, yeah, no, sounds sounds good. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I'll be out the woodwork. We'll we'll have to wait and see uh, what we've got. A few, well, I've got a week or so left of, of quarter one. Uh, I guess we can start making a few quarter two predictions maybe next week uh, before getting to the 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 midpoint of the year. Um, so yeah, last week saw the best best week in markets since twenty twenty, uh, and I guess. Really, we're probably putting that down to three, three or so reasons. Yeah, exactly that. Um, relief from sort of, you know, that that long-awaited rate hike, bit of a relief rally. That uncertainty was sort of lifted there. Um, then we had sort of the Chinese government provide that commitment to to sort of supporting the market, uh, which obviously was a huge help after you know a really really tough time for the Hang Seng and all Chinese stocks. Um, and we're starting to see a bit of progress in in Ukraine and Russia through sort of ceasefire talks. Again, still a really long way to go with that, um, but this is going to sort of continue through the rest of this week. Uh, Thursday and Friday and and sort of that could bring a little bit more positivity into markets you know Joe Biden other allies they're meeting in Brussels to sort of announce fresh sanctions um, on Russia but I think there'll also be a chance there as well for 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 ceasefire talks to to, to come up and, and Ukraine will also be sort of joining in through that summer as well and yeah that's going to be the sort of biggest catalyst for markets to to drive higher right now just in terms of that relief rally coming through um but 
also again coming back to sort of the the fed that hike um you know i think markets ultimately were pretty resilient you know we had uh jerome power was was pretty hawkish in his tone at the start of the week in the conversation that sort of he had um sort of his sort of shift in in conversation was from steadily to to sort of quickly and um we're sort of starting to see futures pricing in 50 basis point hikes at the next two meetings um you know with with the 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 peak of this year coming at 2.75 percent um markets took a little bit of a a dip last night s&p was was sort of down 1.23 percent but ultimately you know again markets didn't react badly to it which was which was positive um and then yeah on the chinese stock front um you know again that was that was a big relief to markets you know the hang seng had a huge um gain on, on the back of that news last week um as i say that sort of the the government sort of came to the rescue um it was a, an equity put which sort of saw an, an all-in attempt to, to sort of clear any concerns in one go from you know as soon as possible um end to tech crackdown to sort of really trying to resolve those sort of property sector risks that they have as as well um but yes 70 percent fall in in chinese equities versus the us in the past year so you know really tough and and now we're ultimately looking at seeing that we've got we've got some bargain names out there 50 percent off valuations um despite obviously a, a huge tech sector you know but again that sort of government policy that came through it did sort of improve is set to obviously improve the economy and um throwing in those cheap valuations that i mentioned it's it's going to make it an attractive mix for some investors um and as i mentioned we saw you know huge rallies from other tech names alibaba um sort of has gained in the last few days i think that was down to alibaba's um new buyback program uh, went from sort of 25 billion or sort of 10 billion to 25 billion um you know buying the dip in its in its own stock um even the the big tech names are on it now um and then back to sort of u.s markets you know nasdaq still in sort of correction territory um down about 11 percent uh so far uh year to date but you know it's had a nice reversal um the s&p is only down sort of six and a half percent so you know we're not too far to go to, to get to that break even you know we all we need is another strong week like we had last week and you know the s&p 500 is back in positive territory again um so as i said i think that catalyst from here is, is those peace talks um you know and, and the more those more risk adverse um maybe you know are, you know aren't necessarily going to be buying but the contrarians are going to be seeing this as maybe opportunities with with downsides so um yeah i think that i think that's the catalyst for now is is those peace talks because you know, that's really going to provide a, a massive relief rally to markets in the shorter term yeah no definitely definitely i, I mean looking back and, and i think certainly you know speaking to ben laidler and i sort of shared his opinion i know quite a few of us did in that under the underneath the bonnet but by taking away the geopolitical tensions the market seemed okay fundamentally and when you think about what we've come through this year obviously geopolitical stuff the rate hikes inflation supply chains coronavirus and the s p was only down 12 percent you know that 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 sort of screams a market that did want to go higher so that relief rally upon the sort of the the hike of the or the first hike in three years it kind of made a little bit of sense so i guess we're now at a, an interesting point in markets we've got one one week left of the quarter as well so i guess we'll have a little bit more clarity um next week you know i said on the podcast last week i think if we close above i think it was 48.7 we see the low and uh, and we did and we did so yeah technically we'll, we'll see how that goes um next up on the on the poddy 
uh, is Ethereum and specifically Ethereum 2.0. It's been back in the news recently and has led to, to Ethereum sort of outperforming Bitcoin for the first time in a while. Um, I guess for our listeners, it could be good to sort of get a recap on, on what exactly is Ethereum 2.0 uh, and what's it all about and, and why it's sort of back in the news again. Yeah, so put simply, um, ETH 2.0 is, is essentially just a set of upgrades to, to the Ethereum blockchain. Um, so it's designed to, to ultimately increase um, networks' usability, uh, efficiency and scalability, very similar to sort of the lightning upgrade that we had from Bitcoin uh, back in sort of November last year. Um, look, it's taken a long time, years of planning, implement, uh, implementation. Um, it's taken a long time to, to roll out. Um, but over the years, what we've seen with Ethereum, and for, and for those that don't know, there's, there's different sort of um, there's different layers, um, and, and how this works is that many tokens and decentralized applications are are being launched on the Ethereum blockchain. Look, this is obviously fantastic uh, for Ethereum and for the network. Um, but what it's done is it's led to a slightly a slower performing network, and those transaction fees have, have obviously increased. Um, Ethereum refers to that as gas. So if you ever hear people talking about gas fees, and, and that's not the the pump in America to fill up your car, it's it's um it's the network on Ethereum. But gas fees reached sort of extortionate levels at the sort of the height of NFT volumes earlier this year. You know, you could be buying an NFT worth uh, say forty dollars, um, but you pay two hundred dollars in in transaction fees or gas fees. So it got to a point where it was really difficult for a lot of people to, to to really match that up. You know, no one really wanted to pay sort of $40 for something, but then have to pay $200 in, in fees. No one wants to do that. So I think ETH 2.0, the, the, the idea behind it is that it's set to sort of improve that performance and, and functionality of, of the Ethereum blockchain through this sort of new structure and as that sort of result we're going to see those network fees come down um, which ultimately as i say in the past it, it made a lot of people think that the network was going to be sort of unusable it was a big issue that they wanted to um to to, to ultimately uh to, to to really try and you know change because it needed to, to change and we've seen that recently again you know i'm someone who, who is quite active in the nft space and buying nfts at the moment it's much cheaper um you know again instead of 200 dollars, you're looking at 15 20 and even some of the most simple transactions um such as like sending eth to other wallets those transaction fees have come down you know a huge amount as well so i think the best thing about sort of eth 2.0 is that you know uh, from a from a user perspective you don't have to do anything but you can sort of start to uh, receive benefits we do have staking features etc um you know the changes will not cause any there's no hard forks there's no migration so as long as you just you know hold your you know ethereum uh, on on etoro then then you're pretty much uh, all set um or you know any secure wallet so uh, another sort of factor is that um we're, they're going to be moving to sort of the proof of stake network so again for listeners we, we when we're talking about cryptos there's there's two types of um sort of stake or sorry two types of um uh, proof proof of um blockchain models i should say so we have proof of stake and then we have the proof of work so the proof of stake is ultimately we don't have to rely on miners um, network validators verify the transactions on the blockchain whereas with the proof of work which is the sort of the bitcoin setup that's when we're having to rely um, on miners to validate validate the blocks on the blockchain um, so we're going to be changing from that so eth will be transitioning to that proof of stake model um, and then that's when then we have that sort of staking feature available so eth 
2.0 so you can stake uh, ethereum through eth 2.0 through the eToro money wallet um but check out the website because it's it's not available in every single region so check that out um but yeah you can transfer eth from the eToro investment platform to sort of the crypto um eToro money app and then you can request the amount of eth that you wish to stake um which will then be sent automatically to the staking address um but something that's really important to know is that once you stake that eth and you lock it up into ethereum 2.0 blockchain uh you won't be able to get it back until it is launched so you basically um the eth 2.0 is locked up until it's launched and right now we have over 10 million ethereum is locked up in ethereum 2.0 and that's all helping to to push towards these changes and and help um, this sort of rollout come through but you know look bottom line th th this sort of 2.0 rollout it represents sort of an, the next evolution for ethereum the move from proof of work to proof of stake that sort of underscores how big this change really is for the entire network um, the develop developers of ethereum you know are going to hope that these sort of changes that come through that the network's going to be more scalable um, it's going to be easier to use it's going to be cheaper uh, and ultimately it's just going to allow more people uh, to use the network um, and from that point of view i think once eth 2.0 gets rolled out it's hard to to really imagine ethereum not sort of controlling uh, continuing to control i probably should say as one of the top blockchain networks for for a long long time to come so yeah i think it's going to sort of continue to dominate that top spot yeah sounds positive i guess the the only issue is it keeps getting pushed back doesn't it so we kind of have to that's going to happen some point, some some time, and I guess it'll be worth keeping an eye when that's going to be, and then it'll, it'll be judged once it's once it's rolled out, I guess. But yeah, sounds positive on on the front of it. Um, last up then to today, our lesson for the week um, is dollar, pound, euro, whatever you want to call it, cost averaging. Uh, so I mentioned it earlier, but I said last week uh, if the S and P finished, I think it was above four two eight seven or something. It, it meant we would have seen the low of the year, in my opinion, from a technical. Uh, point of view and, and you know while we can't 100% say right now if that's going to be true or not without a crystal ball those who had maybe dollar cost average might be feeling pretty good uh, about things so for our listeners uh, can you just explain you know what is dollar cost averaging and then maybe I can sort of go through some pros and, and, and cons of it all as well yeah absolutely well as we know um, as we know Sam and probably sure of our many of our listeners know uh, time in the market is close to pretty much an impossible task although you called it on the S&P 500 last week um, but even if you're an experienced investor it's it's going to be really tough um, so for many investors dollar cost averaging it's an excellent way to to sort of avoid that impossible task right of, of trying to time the market pick bottoms and and find when to, to sort of jump in it also helps in terms of sort of lowering um, sort of risk in terms of as an investment strategy that offers the chance to sort of hedging yourself against those market swings so whether markets up whether markets down you know you're representing investing over periods of time so it sort of allows you to to spread out investments depending on what's happening in the market so rather than us opening a single position of five thousand dollars all at once we're sort of breaking up those purchases over several different days weeks whatever that might be uh, and we're getting into the market at different times um I think, look, it was harder to probably do this back in maybe sort of 2020 when, you know, back in 2020, early 2021, when the markets were flying, right? Because um, we wanted to, everyone, people wanted to get in as quickly as possible. But right now shows, you know, why dollar cost averaging is, is so important because, you know, you're going to be able to find um, great prices on a lot of great assets. Um, but 
to find that bottom is going to be really difficult. I, you know, again, last week we were sort of really, there was a lot of fear going around in the market. There's a lot of worry. So for a retail investor to sort of really put their finger on it and then go then, okay, look, this is where we're probably going to find the bottom for now would have been really difficult. Um, they probably would have been waiting for, for further downside. But look, instead of, you know, dumping in lump sums, you know, it can be, you know, a great strategy to, as I say, you know, you know, dollar cost average you know average out those investments over time and it sort of puts to work the theory that when markets are up or down you know it doesn't matter the aim is to sort of average out the highs and the lows of the market so yep you're going to be buying at the top on some cases but you're also going to be finding great prices down at the bottom as well and over time that will average out and, and give you a you know a great price um so as i say it takes away that sort of timing risk in terms of trying to pick the bottom and uh can take away sort of that emotional component as well, you know, Sam, you're obviously a, um, a, a big advocate of, of emotions in trading and, and trying to sort of keep them in check because it, it's it's really important. But it's sort of like a mechanical investment strategy, especially if you sort of set up, you know, like recurring payments and, um, you know, you're buying on certain days because it's, you know, it's preset no matter what happens in the market, right? So $500 goes in on, on Wednesday, uh, $500 goes straight into the S&P 500 ETF. Um, go straight into you know the SPY or you know QQQ whatever it is uh, and it's just set right it doesn't matter whether the market is up whether the market's down you, you know that that's set and that's what you're gonna be doing um, but I think on the you know we talked about the risk side of it I think that it doesn't take away investment risks or identifying good investments um, you know, even if you adopt a strategy of dollar cost averaging, you know, you still got to do that research, make sure you're picking the right investments. Um, it, it's a strategy that can come into place to help sort of manage risk, but it's not going to take away those investment risk. Um, you know, investment environment change changes. Um, we get new investments, we get new information. Um, you know, sometimes that can change uh, the way that we approach, you know, sort of you know, the market. We, we might decide that, you know, let's say we're dollar cost averaging to Amazon. They they come out with something that just you know for for me from an investor point of view, it changes my my mindset, or I might not want to look it into anymore. So you know you don't need to continue to dollar cost average it into that asset if you sort of don't have to. So sort of the research part of it still stays. Um, and you know, and I think you know it, it's been advocated by one of the most famous investors of all time, Mr. Warren Buffett. Um, he's been an advocate of it in the past. He's got a famous quote. Um, from Buffett, which was, there are only a few things that you can do wrong. Uh, one is to buy or sell at the wrong time. Paying high fees is the other way to get killed. The best way to avoid both of these is to buy a low cost index fund and buy it over time. So basically what Warren Buffett is talking about there is buy an index fund on eToro. He just missed eToro <laughs> out. Um, but look, what he's referring to is, is buy it over time. Um, and when he's saying buy it over time, he's of course referring to dollar cost, uh, dollar cost averaging strategy. So that's come from, from the main man himself. And, um, look, I think, you know, I think, I think what he's sort of getting to there is to continue that period of investing over time and to keep people investing. You know, he talks a lot about, you know, when he invested when he was, you know, really young and, you know, the, the value obviously, you know, again, he's obviously one of the richest men in the world, but just sort of trying to show people what you can do if you do continue to continuously buy over a period of your life, um, you know, and just leave these assets to continue to sort of grow into and ultimately flourish into into what they can be. Yeah, the power of compounding. And, it, and if it's good enough for, for Warren Buffett, 
think it's good enough for me too. Um, but yeah, look, guys, we'll, we'll wrap it there for today. As usual, you can head over to the Toro Academy where you've got podcast guides, videos, blogs, anything you want is there for you at your heart's disposal. Um, but yeah, Josh, thank you as always for, for, for coming on. We'll be back next week, I'm sure. Yeah, 100%. My pleasure. Look, good to chat to everyone and I uh, hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week. Take care, guys. Have a good one. You've been listening to Digest and Invest from eToro. For more information, visit eToro.com.